0: This podcast is brought to you by Bruner Communications, your best resource for public speaking, presentation, and storytelling skills. Visit lizbruner.com and take your skills to the next level. It's been said that a picture is worth a thousand words. We'll find out what that quote means to my guest today. She is one of the top portrait photographers in Washington, D.C., Hello everyone. Welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz. Tina Krone never intended photography to be her career. No, no, no. Her dream was to be a professional dancer. Her path took many twists and turns, but by following her intuition, knowing her limitations and playing to her strengths, she discovered how to live her best life. Tina, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Liz. Thanks for having me. So glad you're here today. That quote, a picture is worth a thousand words, has been attributed to a number of individuals dating back to, I think, the early 1900s. But for you, as a professional photographer, what did those words mean to you?
1: That's actually an interesting question. And I'm going to be stealing something from my favorite photographer, Annie Leibovitz. I do agree it gives a very strong visual content and association to each person individually. But I also think that you will not be able to tell a whole story with one picture, unfortunately, even though I'm a photographer.
0: That's very interesting. Okay. Well, photography was not your first love. It was actually dance. You were born in Toronto, Canada, raised in Germany, and really drawn to the performing arts as a child. You studied dance at the prestigious Stage School of Music and Drama in Hamburg, Germany. What was it about dancing that just filled your soul so much?
1: I found that dance, to me, is such a raw form of emotion. And I think a lot of people who are drawn to the performing arts, that's their first vehicle, for instance, to get into. Because it is just so pure. It's so bare. And it's very, very raw emotions. And the physical aspect of dance is something that is just really good for the soul. Mm -hmm. From an early age, it was definitely the, the path I wanted to take.
0: And so at 19, you moved to New York City by yourself, I might add, to pursue your passion at the Broadway Dance Center. You were determined to train with the best. What was that experience like for you?
1: (laughs) Very humbling. So even if you're good in in where you're from, and I'm not from a small town, and I I was doing pretty good. I went to New York, and now this is where everybody comes from around the world who was good where they were originally coming from, right? And I just uh, saw that competition was definitely there. And like I said, it was a very humbling experience. And it made me reconsider if I wanted to stay in that field. You
0: also have talked about the fact that you were very tall compared to other dancers. And you felt in some respects that there was a physical limitation besides being surrounded by
1: this incredible competition of dancers. So that is another thing that I noticed that just took me so much longer in general to dance the choreographies. I'm 5'11 and everyone around me was just much, much faster. and seemed to have just an easier time with the choreographies, so the turns, the legs. And I noticed that there were just like natural limitations. I worked very hard, but there was a line that I just could not cross somehow. Mm.
0: But you still had hope. You decide you moved to Los Angeles, believing that maybe, maybe there would be more opportunities for you there. Yeah. But somehow between New York City and Hollywood, You made a very important discovery about yourself while you were there. What did you learn about yourself during that time?
1: I noticed that I didn't want to be crumbling under the competition. I wanted to have a more steady income because that's kind of how I grew up, that Mm -hmm. that was important. In Los Angeles, there was more work for me because they did a lot of music videos as well. So there was more opportunity, definitely. Definitely. I decided to let go of the dream of becoming a professional or staying a professional dancer in Los Angeles.
0: How did you find the courage, though, to let that dream go and to accept your limitations that maybe this was not your path? Because sometimes we just cling to those dreams when, in actuality, we have to do some acceptance work. How did you manage that?
1: For me as an artist, it was always important to and not just be mediocre. So mediocrity is extremely boring (laughs) to me. I figured out that in this field, I would be a mediocre professional dancer. That just wasn't enough for me. It was a gradual process. It wasn't like I woke up one day and I said, okay, I'm not going to be a dancer anymore. It just was gradual and letting go of it. But it was also liberating and not having, having myself being tortured every day in a (laughs) sense. And there's also a thing that I find what people don't think of sometimes that you can do something that is your passion, but you don't have to do it professionally. Uh You can do something else that you, you will have a solid income, you will have security, and then you can do what you love also as a very passionate side gig. And that's very liberating to learn, I find. And
0: I also think that one of the things that you shared with me recently was that you believe... In quitting. And that might be a really hard <laughs> concept for people to grasp. Yeah. What do you mean when you say you believe in quitting? I think it speaks to what you were just talking about.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I love that you brought this up, actually, because I know that American culture is almost the opposite, where it's like we keep on encouraging each other to don't quit, keep on going. You can do it, believe in yourself. Michael Jordan didn't even make the basketball team in high school. You know, so I know there's in this culture that we keep on pushing. But I don't necessarily think, and I'm going to make myself extremely unpopular by saying this, that we're doing ourselves a favor if we keep on pushing, if something, we just have certain limitations that we can accept. And I find, again, liberating, there's a different path for you out there. Mm -hmm. If you embrace that, ride the wave. You will find happiness sometimes by quitting something that you think is wonderful.
0: I love ride the wave concept. That's great. All right. So you're in Los Angeles. You meet this actor, Winston, and he becomes your boyfriend. And you guys moved to Vancouver, Canada. What was going on there that made you guys say, hey, let's pick up and move?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Winston was a film actor and he was always filming in in Vancouver. And I flew up with him for a couple of movies. And I just thought, why are we not living in Vancouver when it's so beautiful and you're working here all the time? We packed our bags and, um, (laughs) and then moved together to Vancouver which was a great move. After Los Angeles and New York, it's the film capital in North America and all the big movies are being filmed up there. Uh Yeah.
0: So this actually provided you with a pivot point because you start to study costume design. Did you ever consider being a movie costume designer before moving to Vancouver?
1: (laughs) No, I was thinking of how I could be, I mean, at that point, I think 24, I was thinking of something in the lines that is still artistic, that makes the most out of the movie industry that was just there and blossoming is still there and blossoming. And my mother was a fashion designer. So there was that. I integrated all of that. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to be working on a movie set, I think costumes would be a great place for me to be. And so your first movie ends up being a
0: blockbuster. (laughs) The movie Elf. Who would have thought Elf and then you go on to work on a number of major superhero movies. We're talking X-Men, we're talking Twilight, Fantastic Four, just to name a few. What did you learn about yourself working on those movies?
1: If you work in the film industry, one thing, and I give a shout out to my lovely friends who are actors, that I'm excluding them from the statement <laughs> <laughs> um, If you're working behind the camera in the film industry, you work so long hours, it is like military training. And if you ever get someone applying for a job with you who comes from the film industry, hire them because their work ethic is, it's amazing. It's a very strict industry. We work super long hours, very focused. Every day is different. It is glamorous and terrible and everything at <laughs> Sounds once. Sounds like TV.
0: And
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a great job, but it, it, you do not have a life. You live on a movie set. Mm.
0: In a cruel twist of fate, though, you lose both Winston and your father to cancer within just a few years of one another. How did that change your life?
1: It just has changed me in the sense that I know everything is fluid and we're coming and going and it's just a part of life. I mean, it dominated a a decade of my life. Well, the loss of a a person is, is something that if we haven't gone through extreme loss of someone in our own, kind of that we didn't expect to be passing that quickly or that soon, I think we come to realize that it's just such a natural part of life.
0: Hmm. What brought you back to the United States then, specifically Washington, D.C.?
1: I had met someone in Washington, D.C., and I also had at the same time a job offer from a German-American production company. They were doing documentary films. I thought that was a great chance. And also being a little bit closer to home because my family is in Europe. So I thought coming from the West Coast, at least it's... <laughs> it's <laughs> save a few of, hours. <laughs> I Save a few hours and also a little bit of time difference. So I thought it would be a good place.
0: Speaking of Germany and growing up there, your dad did have a dark room at home, and photography was always an interest, but nothing you really ever pursued. And suddenly, a new career began to unfold and kind of fell into your lap a little bit. What happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, so first of all, my, my dad got the dark room for me. He knew I would probably enjoy it, so it was my Christmas present when I was 12. And I inhaled a ton of bad fumes that at one point... It's like... <laughs> The neighbor was a man who was working a regular job. He wasn't an actor, and he knocked at my door, and he's like, hey, you've got a camera. Can you take some photos of me? And I thought, um, yeah, i got a camera. I don't know (laughs) how to use it anymore, but should I give it a try? And it was fun. And so then I did call a couple of actor friends because I'm like, this was fun shooting this man's headshot. I photographed a few actor friends of mine, and somehow they put it on social media I put it on social media, and within a couple of months, I was able to quit my day job. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. At that point, it fell into my lap. Then I did a ton of work to make it better and better and better. But that initial spark was really nothing I had created.
0: You kind of make it sound easy, but clearly it's not. I know a lot of hard work goes into this. How did you begin to connect the dots in your mind? that, wait a minute, all these skills that I have from my passion of photography to costume design to even my dance work, how did you fit all of that together?
1: So it's funny because I think why it happened so organically, this transition from film to photography is because of all my background. I find nowadays that um, my dance background is one of the most important aspects in my work. And I'm even saying in my portrait work, not just when I work with ballet companies, the awareness of posing a subject and there's so much that goes into that. I'm coming from the background of film, of costume design, of dance, of performing arts, and then just natural tendencies that we all bring that we sometimes are just not aware that we have. Like, I love people. I would never have someone leave my studio and roll my eyes. <laughs> and I see the beauty in all of them. It's, And I'm not lying. I really see the beauty in all of them. So that's just a natural tendency, you know, that just weighs in. And then on top of it, the work was, I guess, fun to do. Yeah, it was fun to, do, <laughs> to learn and uh, broaden my skills. It was a very organic process.
0: Mm. So taking all these portraits of many people these days, some of them are even famous because you are one of the best known portrait photographers in Washington, D.C. and in Berlin, I might add. You go back and forth, I know. What process do you go through when you first meet someone as to how you are going to photograph them? What are you looking for? What are you thinking about when you first meet them?
1: So I love to do a lot of homework on my subjects when I have the chance. I really like to get familiar with what they're doing, what they stand for. Sometimes I like to ride what they already stand for and exaggerate it. And sometimes I like to do something that is completely different, like the conceptual part of the portrait photography is where I really get a kick from. So, for instance, I was photographing a French star chef, Raphael Francois, and he looks like a hipster, right? (laughs) And he's not like the typical chef, right? So I was thinking about how to shoot his portrait the best and integrate what he brings with his long beard and his tattoos and so on. So I was thinking maybe it would be cool just to put the kitchen on fire behind him and have like this beautiful dish right in front of him. That's kind of the conceptual portraits that I really enjoy. So I'm reading about my subject and my head just starts spinning and it's spinning for days until all of a sudden an idea comes up. For me, it's important to first do my homework, then have it marinate for a few days and then have the shoot. Um, That's usually when I think the best result comes from that process
0: why people as opposed to landscapes
1: I think as I'm just always drawn to portraits and people and they're so unique not that landscapes aren't but I have to honestly have said and mean, I was never drawn to landscapes I love looking at them but I just love the all the facets that human mm. beings give you that you can Uncover and, and I just love working with them.
0: Makes sense. I think it's the emotion, probably, also yeah. that you feel and you see.
1: <laughs> exactly. Your
0: path from professional dancer to costume designer on major superhero movies to highly sought after portrait photographer was not necessarily the journey you would have envisioned for yourself. And a lot of people may be thinking, hmm, can I change careers? What should I do? What advice do you have for people who might be thinking, I'd like to change, but it's too late to change. Oh, I don't think it's too late to change ever. I agree.
1: (laughs) So I would sit down and evaluate exactly what you have and also what you don't have. For instance, for me, one thing is that I can focus for hours and hours on something visual. Yet if something like reading material or something, I have a very short attention span. So I needed to work around that somehow. I knew that this field is right for me because it keeps my attention. And I can just like, I'm like in my world. So I think anybody who wants to change career should really have a very honest assessment of what they have, what their natural tendencies is, what their experience are, and also what they're not good at. Mm. If you want to become a lawyer and a big part of studying for the bar exam is sitting down and focusing on something for 12 hours, and that's not your thing then maybe you should, you know, choose a different path. (laughs) Choose a different path. (laughs) So So really be honest about what you have and what you don't have. Mm. That is, I think, a valuable step for success.
0: What is your definition of living your best life?
1: To be able to use everything that God has given you, all the skills that you have and be able to contribute with those skills every day. Because then you're in that flow, you know, I mean, you probably know when you know that you're doing what you were supposed to be doing, because that's given to you that, that the natural tendencies are there, your skills you've worked up, it's when you have that flow of just knowing what you're doing is so organic to you.
0: Mm, I love that definition. Folks, if you'd like to learn more about Tina and see some of her exceptional work, go to tinacronephoto.com. That's Tina T-I-N-A Krohn, K-R-O-H-N, photo.com, Tina Krohn, photo.com. Tina, thank you so much for sharing with us that no matter what our vision is, sometimes looking outside the box, somewhere we never planned on looking, could lead to amazing next chapters. You've certainly done it.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.
0: And thank you for listening. May all of you be willing to think outside the box, connect the dots of your skills, and take a chance